This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. like what he says at the end of the song. At the end of the song, he starts speaking, and he starts singing while he's playing the piano. He says, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's make you a hamburger. And it's so true. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. The same way, just because you go to Taco Bell doesn't make you a taco. I'm getting people hungry. We're going to eat after this. Don't worry about it. We're going to eat after this. <laughs> There is a strong cultural history of Christianity in America. Because of that, it's easy for people to equate either being American or having grown up around Christians to actually being a follower of Christ. As Pastor Eddie is teaching, Nicodemus had the same problem. To his credit, though, he tried to get an answer to his question by going directly to Jesus. We can get our answers to these questions the very same way. Well, turn to the ninth chapter of Romans, verse 6, and let's join Pastor Eddie as he begins his message. And so we continue Romans chapter 9 with verse 6. Israel as a nation has rejected the chief cornerstone, have rejected the promised Mashiach, the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. And so Paul says in the first part of verse 6, but it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. The failure of the Jews to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ did not mean that God's word had no effect. It did not mean that God's word had failed. Israel as a nation has rejected Christ, the promised one. As a matter of fact, in John's gospel, in John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, he writes, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, that's the Jews, and his own have, did not receive him. So his own did not receive him. And so, though they have rejected Christ, God's promises still stands. And so, Paul continues, he says, but it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. Here's the problem. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Now, Paul makes a strong statement here. He's hitting them right at the core. Now, this is coming from a Jew of the Jews. This is coming from an ex-Pharisee of the Pharisees. This is coming from a scholar, a scholar of the Scriptures, a scholar of the Torah, a scholar of the Tanakh. The Tanakh, for you and I, for those of you who don't know, is the Old Testament. We don't speak to the Jews and say, well, we have the Old Testament and New Testament because to them, the Old Testament is still new. They haven't received the New Covenant, you see. But the Old Testament to them is called the Tanakh, which makes up the Torah, the Psalms, and the prophets. And so here we're talking about Paul, who is a scholar, saying, making this statement. For they are not all Israel 
who are of Israel. Now, the word Israel, this is the meaning for the word Israel for you students. The word Israel means governed by God. That's what Israel means. It means governed by God. And it was the Lord that has given this word Israel. The first time Israel is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 32. Genesis chapter 32, when the Lord named Jacob, he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. You remember the time when Jacob was wrestling with God. It was the angel of the Lord and he was wrestling all night. He wasn't winning. At the very end, you find that he's holding on to him. He was losing. His, his hip was displaced. And he didn't let him go because he knew this angel was above all angels. This, this was one that was really mighty. And he was just playing with him. And he said, I will not let you go till you bless me. And the angel said, what is your name? Not that he didn't know who his name was. He said, what is your name? Jacob. Jacob, heel catcher. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Heel catcher. And he said, no longer your name shall be heel catcher. Your name shall be Israel, governed by God. Governed by God. And so Paul, uh, just because... He says, just because a man says that, hey, I'm an Israelite, I'm a Jew, does not necessarily mean he is Israel, does not necessarily mean that he is governed by God. He's not governed by God. Now, the Jews were very certain of their future. Because of their covenant promises, God has made with them. So they held on to these promises. We're the children of Israel. We have the oracles of God. God delivered us from the bondage of Egypt. He divided the waters, and we saw the plagues that God judged Pharaoh and all of Egypt. And God has spoken to our prophet Moses and has given us the commandments. And so they were certain. And with all this in their history, they also came to the conclusion that by the very fact that their birth into the nation of Israel, that they were granted all the promises And they include salvation, but that's not the case. That doesn't mean they're saved or they're right with God. Paul points out, for not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. You remember in the Gospel of John when there was a ruler by the name of Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. And he would see Jesus at night. And so we like to nickname him Nick at night. The first service got it. You guys. No food for you. Just kidding. Nick Ademus went to see Jesus at night. And Nick Ademus was one that he knew that Jesus said, Jesus, you have to come from God because no one can perform the miracles you're performing. Jesus already knew what he was coming for. You see, this Pharisee wanted to know about the kingdom. If he's coming, if he is the Messiah, God's kingdom is coming. And we, the Jews, would be set free from the bondage of Rome. And so Jesus then entertained his flattery. He went to the point. In John chapter 3, verses 3 to 7, he says, For most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was perplexed. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. So you have to be born again. Jesus said it's read in your Bible. Forget about anybody. That's the only way. So he's probably thinking, wait a minute. I was born of Abraham. I thought that was good enough for me to get to heaven. I'm a Pharisee. Jesus said, no, that doesn't matter. You must be born again. You must be born again. I remember just recently at my mother-in-law's funeral, gave a, gave a teaching there. I call it a teaching, but, you know, I started, I, I share the gospel. And I was, I was bold only because I knew my mother-in-law wanted me to be bold. And the one thing that I said that really uh, triggered a lot of feelings and emotion that day, and we got, I got word of it after, at the end, and I wasn't apologetic, but I said, good people don't go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Only those that have been born again. Only those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Later on, a couple of weeks later, we find that, you know, there was one who was upset that I said that. And I was, I'm waiting for them to take a call. I say, listen, I'll show you in the Bible. I make no apologies for truth, especially when it's God. And so those that are born again and enter the kingdom of heaven is not flesh. See, we're born once, right? You're born once, and that, you haven't been born again. You're born once out of your mother's womb in the flesh. That which is a flesh is a flesh, Jesus said. You're born once, you will die twice. But if you're born twice born of the flesh and of the spirit through Christ, you die once. You're born once, you would die twice, physically and eternal damnation. You're born twice, physically and spiritually, you die only once physically because you have eternal life, you see. And so Jesus made this point clear to a Pharisee. It's not because you were of Abraham. You must be born again. Pharisee, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. And that's what he tells them. So born of water is naturally, even to the Jews, does not mean uh, that they are saved. It does not get them into heaven. Now, that doesn't only apply with the outward physical, but also the inward part. Because Paul tells us, as we study in Romans chapter 2, Paul tells us not the outward, but it's also the inward. In Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, he said, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. Circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not the latter whose praises is, is not from men, but from God. Nothing in the flesh that man can do, regardless of who you're born from, it has to be of the heart. God always talks about the heart. It doesn't matter your nationality. And you, know, and you see more and more, I see the commercials for all these, um, these, uh, these uh, ancestry where you could send in your DNA and if I know, you know, I know who I am in Christ. I don't have to spend the two or $300, you know? I don't, need, I don't care where I came from. I know where I'm going. That's all that matters. People want to know where they're from. Here at this point, when it comes to salvation, eternal life, entering the kingdom of heaven, it's totally irrelevant where you were born and who you were born from. 
So Paul tells us that no one is truly Israel unless he or she is governed by God. Now we can see a parallel here. We can see a parallel here for us saints, Christians, you and I. Just as Paul says that there are those who are of Israel, not of Israel, the same, the same applies for Christians. Not everyone who is called a Christian is truly a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know that. You know that. I know that. Not everyone who says, I am a Christian, are really Christ-like. Or really, not many are. Just as with the Jews, thinking that because they were born in Israel, there are some who think, well, uh, I don't go to church, and I come across a lot of people when I have conversations about where's, what's your faith, what do you believe in? And say, so, well, I'm okay because, well, I don't go to church, but, you know, I was born Christian. You've heard that, right? Or, you know, my father, my mother, the Christian, you know, one is Episcopalian, one is another denomination, but guess what? They love each other, right? But uh, uh, my great-grandfather was a minister, you know, we're, we're Christians, you know. And we think, there are many that believe that because they're in their family tree, that they were practicing Christians who know it's just going to church, and they think that they're Christians. And that's something that we need to examine ourselves as believers in Jesus Christ. Am I really Christ-like? Am I a Christian by its definition? The name Title Christian is to imply that one who is truly a Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ and follow of his ways and is a follower and is, a, and is Christ-like in everything and everything that he does or she does. That is a Christian. Or even going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. There are a lot of people who go to church just to try to score points with someone or with God. Well, let me, been invited a thousand and one times. Let me just go get this person off my back, right? Or you think you, know, you, you want to be right with God, so you have to be in the church. You need to be right with God with your heart, not so much coming to church. When I think about this, I grew up with contemporary Christian music, and one of the artists was uh, Keith Green. And Keith Green, his music was bold. It was in-your-face kind of Christian, you know? It's not like the Christian music today, guess what? They have all this feel-good, emotional, nice little sweet things that you can actually take that song, and since it's not clear who he's speaking about or singing about, you can use it for your girlfriend or your boyfriend. No, the, the gospel music back there was gospel. It was real. It was in-your-face gospel. And Keith Green, that's what I love about Keith Green. He was bold, and it was very convicting, his songs. There was one song that I like, and it's titled, Jesus Commands Us to Go. Right? That's a lot better than I love you, right? Is anyway, I love you. Who you love, you know? <laughs> Jesus commands you. The title in itself is biblical, and you already know what he's going to talk about. But at the end of the song, I like what he says at the end of the song. At the end of the song, he starts speaking, and he starts singing while he's playing the piano. He says, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's make you a hamburger. And it's so true. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. The same way, just because you go to Taco Bell doesn't make you a taco. I'm getting people hungry. We're going to eat after this. Don't worry about it. We're going to eat after this. <laughs> now, Christians, it gets a little more deep. Christ takes it one step deeper. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, Jesus said, 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, that's the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Notice, how would they know about prophecies? They were in church. How would they know about casting out demons? They were in church. How would they know about many wondrous things? They were in church, and they all did it in his name. But this is what Christ had to say in verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's deep. So when we say we're Christians in the same way Paul is telling the Jews, just because you say of Israel doesn't mean you're Israel. Are you governed by God? That's the important thing. It's not so much that you can follow your genealogy all the way back to Abraham. The point is, have you been governed by God? Do you have a relationship with God? The same thing with Christians. It's not because you go to church or because you were born from a Christian family. The point is that you've been governed by God. Are you following Jesus Christ? Are you Christ-like where people could say, wow, you are Christian? That's the difference. So this message is both for Jews and Gentiles. It's not by the flesh. It's not by the flesh. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, that was of the flesh is born of the flesh. But it's, it's, it's through the blood, not the blood of your fathers or your forefathers. It's not through the blood of your genealogy and your family tree. But it was the blood that was shed on the tree on the cross. It was through the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us right with God, that makes us Christians Christ-like, governed by God. That's the difference. And that's what Paul is saying here. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. So Nicodemus, you come to me every night. But hear this. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a Pharisee or the Pharisees. You need to be born again. And so what Paul's going to do now in verses 7 through 9, Paul's going to show us the sovereignty of God in the illustration using the story of Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac and Ishmael. So now he's going to narrow it down from the nation of Israel to now to Isaac and Ishmael. Let's look at the end of verse 6. He says, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, verse 7, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Paul narrows it down to the seed of Abraham to Isaac. In John chapter 8, When the Jews said to Jesus, we are descendants of Abraham. We are the descendants of Abraham. And Jesus replied in verse 37, John chapter 8, verse 37. He says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Yeah, you Abraham's descendant. That is the flesh. That is of the flesh. You want to put your hope on that? That's fine. But my word is not in you. Is Jesus Christ not the word? The word should be in us. And that is the fruit of a Christian, to know that you're a Christian, not by title, not by going to church, but being Christ-like. The word is in you. John chapter 8, verse 39, he says, if you were Abraham's children, the promise, you would do the works of Abraham. And the works of Abraham was faith, trusting in God. So you see, Jesus points this out. Now, if the Jews can put their hope, let's go back. The Jews want to put their hope that they're the descendants of Abraham, they're God's chosen people. 
because they came from Abraham. They said to Jesus, we are the descendants of Abraham. All right, then. Can Ishmael, who was a descendant of Abraham, say the same thing? Ishmael. Was not Ishmael one of the sons of Abraham? Oh, yes, he was. You see, in Genesis chapter 13 and Genesis chapter 15, the Lord had promised Abraham and his wife Sarah that they would have a child. But you see, there was a problem. Sarah, like many of us, and I include myself, when God makes a promise and he's taking too long, we figure God needs a little help in the matter, right? Couldn't wait. God said through Sarah, you would have a child. Couldn't wait. Sarah said, well, Abraham, here's my maidservant, Hagar, who they got when they went to Egypt. This is my maidservant. You lay with her and the child that we have, we have her will be our son. In that time, in that culture, that was accepted. But it wasn't accepted by God. Abraham said, whatever you say, dear. No, he didn't say that. I mean, well, he did that, but he shouldn't have said that, you know. So, you know, later on, you know, God's going to say, yeah, heed the words of your wife. But not every time you need to hear your spouse. You know what I'm saying? You've been there. I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> Melissa, I'm watching you. Anyway, in Genesis 16, Sarah couldn't wait. So she figured she helped God. And so now... Hagar gives birth to a child, and they name him Ishmael. Ishmael. Now, Ishmael is the seed of Abraham, but not the seed of Abraham, the promised seed. You see, the covenant that God made to Abraham, remember, it's called the Abrahamic covenant. God said, Abraham, come out and look at the stars. Can you number them? He said, holy, I can't number this. He said, as you can, you can't number this. He said, as, as, as many of the stars are in the sky and the sea and the sand, that's how I multiply your descendants. That covenant God made, it was a one-way covenant. It wasn't like, I'll make this covenant. I'll give you descendants if you choose the right woman. He didn't give him conditions. There was no condition. It was a one-way covenant. So regardless if Abraham messed up, which he did, God still kept the promise. So God had to keep the promise even with Ishmael. Ishmael had to be multiplied. That's why we have the Arab nations, you see. How many are they? Oh, they're a lot. They're a lot. So you see, God kept the promise. But it wasn't what God planned for Israel as far as bringing forth the Messiah. It had to be the seed. It couldn't be done man's way. It couldn't be done in the flesh. God was going to bring his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It had to be perfect. It had to be supernatural. It can't be handled by man. It can't be done in the flesh. And what Sarah did, she couldn't wait for the Lord. How many of us been there? And she figured God needed help, and it was done in the flesh. That is the reason why we have the problem in the Middle East. That is the reason why. The book of Romans gives us a unique review of scriptural doctrine. As we continue to learn from this New Testament book, we'll also discover the gospel's powerful message throughout and discover practical life application with it as well. We pray Eddie's message on running the race has been an encouragement to you and that you're eager to learn more about the gospel message and how it applies to you. We'd like you to know that we pray for you regularly here at Running the Race, and we're so glad that you are one of our listeners. We'd also like to encourage you to find a local church where you can be part of a community that's growing together in faith. With that in mind, 
Here's Tracy. Maybe you're listening right now in Milford, Pennsylvania, and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. For more information, call us at 570-296-7367. That's 570-296-7367. Or log on to runningtheraceradio.com and click on Service Times. Thanks, Tracy. That website, once again, is runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, you can also listen to more messages by Eddie or download them to take with you on the go. That's all we have for today, but join us again for more on the Book of Romans right here on Running the Race. I'm